Hey there and welcome back to the Angel Investors Access Show. On this series, we talk to startups, angel investors, VC firms, mentors, coaches, and stakeholders that play a part in the Australian entrepreneurial ecosystem. Proudly brought to you by C2 Angels, helping build a community of like-minded, aspiring angel investors right across Australia and beyond. Have you booked your angel opportunity investment discovery session yet? If not, what are you waiting for? Become an angel investor today and visit c2angels.com. And now let's head to the next episode and join me with our special guest. Welcome back, everyone, to the Angel Investors Access Show. This is a podcast and vodcast. I'm excited because today's guest is a trusted advisor, executive reality coach, strategic soundboard to many, and he likes to call himself a micro-angel. It's Ernest Stabeck. How are you? Great, Brandon. Thanks for having us on the show. So, yeah. Mate, it's my pleasure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I'm excited today to tell your story because in the little time that we've gotten to know each other, yep. I've really got an understanding of how you are involved with so many different stakeholders in the entrepreneurial ecosystem. Yeah. Look, I'm a, I'm a chief financial officer who fundamentally got bored. So <laughs> I got completely bored with the finance stuff, so I branched out. And back in the 80s, I was started to speculate. So yeah, that was right. my first first experiment in speculating. So I was CFO of a stockbroking firm in Perth. Cool. And I was with a major mining company prior to that. So and that got me into the speculation space of, of investing in what I'd call private companies as well. Yeah. Early stage startups. And then I had 20 years of conservatism where I, where I went back to my roots as a CFO and I transformed companies. But it was all about building blocks for foundations for business growth. So, gotcha. And that's that's what sort of brought me now into this, what I'd call the angel space as well, because what I'm doing is trying to help people, individuals and organisations grow. So that's my yeah. passion. Yeah. yeah, I love it. So let's paint a picture yeah. for the listener and viewer. If we had to imagine a day in the life of Ernest Beck, oh, yeah. and let's maybe think back to pre-COVID-19, Yep. I want to hear what a day looks like from a meeting perspective, from a stakeholder perspective. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah, look, every day is different and that's mm-hmm. what I love about it because yeah, cool. I was looking for variety fundamentally in what I was doing. So every day is different, but I spend, I'd say, 30 to 40% of my time researching, um, probably the rest of the time in coffee shops yeah. uh, talking with Great. people, listening to people's stories. Um, or crisis management if there's an issue in, a, in one of the investments that I'm involved in. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. So you probably relate to my scenario over the last yeah. 18 months. I've been based yeah. at an incubator and we're yeah. working, we, 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 we were working with startups that were trying to raise but they were also trying to find a mentor, an advisor, yeah. find their first customer, find a tech partner. Um, and now obviously here at C2 Angels there's a huge focus for us on addressing the funding gap that exists in Melbourne and Australia. How important is the funding piece oh, in the at, overall scheme? Look, it's critical, but it, it, it depends on the nature and the type of um, investment that you're looking at, to be honest. Yeah. So, so a lot of the ones that I'm involved are really early stage, mm-hmm. and I do encourage them to fund it themselves at the earlier stages. So okay, so when we describe early stage and really encouraging the founder to fund themselves, it, what it, amount it, are we talking? We're, we're talking under a million pre pre-MVP concept sort of phase. So we're in the early phases. They may have the foundations of a business plan, but generally they won't have it all filled. So, And what I find based on my experience is the majority of them are really good at their product and services or whatever their concept or idea they've come up with, but commercial reality hasn't kicked in. So they don't have 
they may not have all the necessary commercial skills and, and generally they don't know how to sell. Yeah, gotcha. So, so if I'm an angel investor and I'm likely getting into this for the first time, yep. I've maybe made one or two investments amongst my network and friends. Yep. Maybe I play a bit on the stock market and I sort of, I've got a bit of a hobby happening, but I want to yep. turn it into more of a profession. What are some key things I can look for when I'm presented with a deal or a startup to consider going in on? Well, I think the most important component of it is the people so gotcha. if you if you can build confidence and trust in the people that they know what they're doing or that they're prepared to listen and learn and that's the key component from mm-hmm. my perspective is if they're not prefer- prepared to listen and learn they're probably not going to progress all right cool that's yeah. a great point mm-hmm. so you've got startups coming yeah. to you on a daily basis no yeah. doubt and you would have a screening process or a way in which you can size up that founder pretty quickly around if they can listen and learn yep. and if they're resilient. What are those types of questions as an investor or a, a mentor that you ask to really tease out if they're suitable? Yeah, they're simple things and they're fundamentally in most most startups' pitch decks, to be honest. Okay. It's, it's their ability to be able to articulate the problem that they're addressing mm-hmm. in the first instance and they've got to be able to express that in what I call layman speak. Mm-hmm. So an investor, an angel or anyone that's going to invest money into a product or a service needs to understand the, the, the foundations of it and the fundamentals of it. If they don't have a plan mm-hmm. or some semblance of a plan, I use Business Model Canvas regularly Great. with yep. my clients. I use a DIY model for the for the early stage ones where they do it themselves, fill mm-hmm. it in, and then I challenge them on it to, to identify the gaps in that, that particular document. But if they can't talk that fundamental talk and get out of the tech, yeah, as I call it, particularly for the technology startups, um, that, then there's an opportunity for me to get engaged because I might be able to share with them some commercial acumen or at least introduce them to some basic tools yeah. to, and I call them building blocks, uh, and they're foundations for any business, whether it's a startup or a you know, SME or a large-scale business. Great, excellent. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned being a micro-angel and working with startups, helping yeah. them raise yeah. and often getting involved when you see real opportunity. What I want to know from you is when you, when you see an investment come across your desk that um, is sound and, and is suitable but maybe not for you, how do you uh, successfully refer that startup on to someone else that you think it might be for? So how do you determine what opportunity you think would be suitable for a- another angel? You know, how do you get to know what's likely going to resonate with other angels? Well, I think we've all got a different portfolio mix yep, in very the way true. that we invest as well. So, And what I do is I encourage the founders to go and talk to as many potential investors or even what I would call suppliers that are ultimately going to give them the gaps in their business it's model. It's a great point. So that they start to learn. And, and a good example at the moment, I'm working on a major capital raise for Fine Defender, uh, which is a online legal service. And that's having the founder actually talk to a cross-section of experts in whether it's SEO, whether it's uh, Google AdWords, whatever it is that are needed to market the product, mm-hmm. it's fundamentally benchmarking the market. Yeah, through right. conversations and sharing of the network. And I'm a great, you know, I'm an avid networker, not naturally, I'm an introvert by nature, but I've got a great discipline going and uh, most of my colleagues say I'm a great networker, So, but it's hard work. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, so obviously we're on a mission to make up this gap of around 40 million a year in Melbourne for angel investment funding yep. for early stage. And we really want to inspire and motivate more people to become angel investors who may you know, think they're kind of starting on the journey and to really become more active. 
And you're in the business of giving advice to yeah. all the different stakeholders every day. I'm keen to hear from you if there was one key piece of advice you've been given that's been the best you've ever received. Maybe you can share with us who and, and what that was. And then also, what's been the worst? Because you would see a lot of advice being given or you'd be told by clients advice they've received that they're not quite sure of. I'd love to hear also what some of the worst advice yeah, is. Well, I'll tackle the worst first because yeah. I don't like <laughs> focusing on the worst. But, but I'd say to, to any aspiring angel, be sceptical mm-hmm. and listen and then compare. Mm-hmm. And, and the only way you're going to learn is by actually experimentation, okay. which means you're going to have to take on a few investments to actually understand how it all functions and operates to gotcha. become an investor. So d- be brave. Get in there. There's investments out there that are, you know, as small as $100 to hundreds of thousands or millions. In reality, be brave, have a dabble, experiment, you will learn. From those failures, you learn a lot more than you do from the, from the uh, what I call smooth rides, which are, which are rare in startup land. Yeah. Uh, it's generally a roller coaster of some, some resort. Yeah, love it. Yeah. Best advice mm. you reckon you've ever um, received and, and at what time in your career? So talk about how the timing was essential. Look, I've had a lot of really good mentors along the way. I'd say the best advice I got, which was really early in my accounting career, would be just to be be yourself. Mm-hmm. So don't try to pretend to be something that you're not mm-hmm. and, and get to know yourself and fundamentally share your networks and knowledge. Yeah. Because that'll help you benchmark investments that are happening. Okay. Yeah, beautiful. Excellent. All right. So um, can you think back to a key challenge or mistake that's happened along the journey that you've actually really been able to learn from but you're brave enough to share with us in the audience? Oh, lots of mistakes and a never-ending array of them. I think, I think the biggest one, and it's probably not directly related to a startup but related to an SME that I was involved in as a CFO, is no know your boundaries okay so there'll be a point in time that you can advise and help people and there's a point in time to back off as well mm-hmm. so and i've done it in many instances where I've, i'm a change agent so i'm mm-hmm. taking people through significant change if they've never seen a business model canvas or they've never had an investor conversation for example i'm coaching and guiding them through that process um but it can be difficult and there's a point in time in the relationship where you need to back off and say, okay, you need to operationalise this now and you need a maintenance guy mm-hmm. to come in and run it for you. Yep. You don't need an earnest who's going to be driving you towards change. Yeah, love it. Okay, yeah. so um, for an angel investor who's relatively time poor and they really want to make better decisions instead of just hitting and hoping, yep. what's a really quick, condensed, efficient way that they can size up an opportunity whether it's um a meeting with a founder or it's reviewing a pitch deck is there a quick little exercise that they can do that will give them the most efficient way to size it up and know if it's worthwhile um it's it's hard to answer that question to yeah. be honest i mean everyone's searching there isn't a one-off you do read the pitch decks i i don't believe anything i read okay so the fundamentals are I need, to, I need to eyeball the individual mm-hmm. or the individuals if it's uh, co-founders involved in the organisation and talk to them several times. So you won't get it out of one conversation. Yep. The expectation that you're going to be able to benchmark and make a decision on yes. uh, whether it's a, a, a risk worth taking yep. uh, can't be done in one conversation. So you need a, you need a multiple yep. of these conversations. So ask the hard questions. That's what I encourage any new angel Ask the hard questions. Don't be afraid of asking things that you might think might be dumb mm-hmm. because in reality there's no dumb question when it comes to investing. You need to know what you're getting yourself into. 
Yeah, I really like what you say there. It resonates with the idea of you meet with your prospective angel once. They ask you tough questions, but they also give you some homework. So you give them that opportunity almost to come back and present and show that they've been able to take the feedback on and give you answers to their questions. I like that. Um, How quickly, typically, um, should an angel investor try to work on from considering a deal to taking action? Because obviously with the better ideas and deals, there, there will be an element of urgency around it being snapped up or you know taken up by someone else. Well, the startups will always want you to decide yesterday. So yes. that's the reality. <laughs> so that's the rea- reality of it. What you need to do is build a reasonable time frame that's not going to annoy them and annoy you at the end of the day. So that's challenging depending on what part of the cycle the startup's in and where they're heading and how desperate they are for funds as well. Mm-hmm. So as a whole management, I tend to go very slowly in the process and I work with them for an extended period of time yep. before I decide to invest. Yep. Now, you can't do that in every what I'd call uh, the crowdfunding campaign that I'm involved in at the moment. You can't do that because there's a limited time frame yep. to the whole thing. But generally, I'd work very closely with them um, and it's, it's a mutual respect, trust relationship you're building, so it takes time. Uh, some of my investments have taken anywhere between three to six months before I've put money into the business. Yeah. Um, and many of them, they'll want time and sweat, yeah. so the combination. So they're looking for a free hit or a free connection, um, and I'm, I'm just very open to sharing my connections. So I think Great. the key is qualifying the need for the connection and how it might help them um, step change. Got it. Yeah. A lot of angel investors like to gravitate to investing in businesses that they're familiar with from an experience and industry um, industry angle. What I want to know from you is, is that um, that's a safe space and that's a level of comfortability for an investor. But um, how important is it for an angel to maybe look at opportunities that exist outside of their comfort zone of industry and experience? That's, there's a two-way street with that. It's great to have the industry experience, but it could be too narrow depending on what they're lacking in right. their skills and, and acumen. So it is a tough one. It is a tough one, and it really depends on the nature of the investment. So, you know, I'd, I'd hear on the side of caution, and I would, yes, if, if, it's, if you're an expert in tech, go for tech investments, that's fine. But I'd actually make sure that in your portfolio, if you've got at least one or two investments that are outside your portfolio, because you need to continue to learn. And there is so much changing in the tech landscape at the moment. So I don't know if you read the press in the last day, but uh, obviously blockchain's becoming um, active, but even more so crypto's becoming the norm. Yeah. In, yeah. in activities. OzPost just announced last night that they're going to take payments using crypto. Wow. So there's all these you need to be ahead of the game and mm-hmm. therefore sometimes you you need to challenge yourself and take yourself out of your comfort zone. Yeah. The majority of investments I have are not in a field and discipline that I originally knew anything about, mm. but, geez, I learn quick. As yeah. an angel, you do because you want to understand and just put yourself in the shoes of the startup as well because what they're looking for is they're not just looking for money. Yeah. They're looking for money, networks, connections and people who have previously scaled a business. Great. So for an aspiring angel investor, what's the best way that they can be a mentor or an advisor above and beyond their initial investment in that founder and business? Be open and frank with their feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, be sharing of their networks and knowledge. So. Yeah. We've got an investor at the moment with Fine Defender that's 
openly sharing marketing ideas and concepts, including connections. Mm-hmm. And that's fabulous because from that, the, the founder can learn dramatically from that and benchmark against everything else that he's gathered on the journey type thing. Yeah. So do that because at the end of the day, I encourage my founders to only take on an investment that has more than money. Yeah. So don't take on an investment that only includes money mm-hmm. uh, and that insists on a board seat, which is a good example in private companies, because you're creating complexity in your business. Yeah, great. Well, um, we've touched on today so many of the hallmarks that make a good angel investor and also uh, give people the best opportunity to invest in the right type of business and have a bit of fun along the way. It's obviously something we do here at C2 Angels. We roll out our masterclasses monthly and you may even be hearing from Ernest as part of them coming up. So if you do have an interest to, to learn more, Ernest, what's the best way people can find out about you? Oh, look, I'm, I'm easy to find. So if you Google me, you'll find me. I'm on LinkedIn, um, readily available. ES at sitvictoria.com is my email. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not hiding anywhere. I'm more active on LinkedIn and Twitter than anywhere else. I'm not on Facebook. So that gives you an idea of how to trace me down. Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on the show and sharing your story. I feel like we've just touched the surface, so we're going to have to do a part two. We'll have to get you back in very soon. Um, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, Brenda. It's been been awesome. Great show. Keep up the good work. Yeah, visit us at c2angels.com. And that's all we have time for today on the Angel Investors Access Show, your series with Brandon Burns from C2 Angels. If you're thinking about becoming an angel investor and you don't know where to start, then you know exactly where to head, c2angels.com, and book your angel investment opportunity discovery session now. Until next time, I'm Brandon Burns, and I'll catch you later.